0: Get some perspective, Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes, K T A R News on 92.3 FM. Do we do we know who won Iowa or the is Iowa caucus? Is that like done yet or official or? You say one. Yeah.
1: I heard it put in an interesting way this morning. Okay, um, it appears as though. Mayor Pete yeah, yeah. led the Iowa caucus. Led. By lead, he probably got two more delegates than Bernie Sanders. And the reason why they're using the term led mm-hmm, Iowa mm-hmm, is because mm-hmm. you don't really win if you just take two additional delegates.
0: Okay. So, so we're talking
1: about a leading. It was like in a tie Iowa. or he got two more delegates. You need like thousands to win, so two is a drop in the bucket. Got it. Got okay. it.
0: But tomorrow we got New Hampshire. Hey, and and New Hampshire, unlike Iowa, people actually vote. You know, like they would normally. We're gonna have a we're gonna have like ranked numbers allegedly. You, you say that? Okay, so. I hope so. It's not like I, a huge game so. of Red Rover, Red Rover. No, it's not. it is
1: not. There's no app involved, from what I understand. There is not an app. Uh, there's not okay. an app for that. But right now, it appears as though Bernie Sanders is leading in New Hampshire. So when you're looking at what happened in Iowa, trying to forecast what's going to happen in New Hampshire. Sanders leading, but you still have about fifty percent of voters in New Hampshire who say that they are not committed. They haven't picked their person yet. Twenty one percent are leaning towards a particular candidate. Twenty eight percent, their vote is totally up for grabs, and it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow.
0: So I was thinking about this, and uh, I'm I'm hardly I can't be the first person to think about this. So the. Iowa caucus. Even let's say it went off without a hitch, and like it has in other years, sure. and the New Hampshire primary. I'm already hearing stories of how some people are quote overperforming. Mayor Pete is an example, mm-hmm. and how people like Vice President Biden are underperforming. Will they will they be able to make it out of New Hampshire? Like, is a, is the race going to be over? And it got me thinking: Are people? Let's just use New Hampshireites, okay. New Hampshireonians, whatever. I, I don't know what they call people, people from New Hampshire. Hampshire. Is their vote dictated by what happened the previous week in Iowa? And should it be? You say dictated by. I don't know. Do they change their vote based on, quote, a front runner, or if the person they were supporting performed poorly? Because are you voting for the person who best represents your values, your beliefs, the policies you're behind, or are you just voting for who you think's going to win because you don't want to vote for a loser?
1: I think that New Hampshire may be too early to determine whether or not Iowa influenced what they are doing. Mm -hmm. I think you start looking a little bit later on down the line, Nevada, South Carolina, South Carolina in particular is going to be interesting. South Carolina, there's been somewhat of like a firewall, I guess you could say, with Joe Biden, right? Uh-huh, Everyone's uh-huh. predicting that he would take South Carolina. In South Carolina, the demographics uh, are a little bit more indicative to the country in general than, say, Iowa. But,
0: but you understand but what I was... My argument would be that if this was truly about finding the best candidate mm-hmm. for the D's or the R's, like they went sure. through four years ago... Um. Shouldn't you hold all the primaries on the same day? Shouldn't, shouldn't everyone vote at the same time so that you are not influenced one way or the other by how, quote, well somebody did in a state like Iowa or New Hampshire, which I still don't understand how that has any bearing on you if you live in South Carolina or New Mexico.
1: It's an interesting theory, one that I don't think states would ever go for. But, Iowa and New Hampshire yeah. like being the first. We'll see if Iowa still continues to be the first after the debacle that was. Yeah. That being said, but you understand I understand what I mean by it, right? Yeah, it's an interesting exercise to kind of work your way through because think about it in just like relevant terms of today. Let's just go back to a week ago. And we were all talking about the Super Bowl halftime show if you were sitting at home on super bowl sunday and you watched the halftime show and and you were like wow you know what j-lo and shakira killed it yeah she's 50 she's 43 they can dance they can move they owned that stage way to go girlfriend woo and then you went on facebook and then you went on twitter or instagram whatever it may be and you go whoa whoa, wow well you know what they they were dressed a provocatively. A provocatively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what? I don't know what I really felt about the you know Puerto Rican flag, the American flag. So right. your, your opinions about, to changing. Well, y- yeah. You 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 are being you come led around it, by the nose. You you come at it from one perspective, and then you go online, and you're like, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to be outraged about that. Now I'm outraged. You're kind of making the same example with the mm-hmm. the, the the states and the primaries. Oh, Iowa said this. Oh, New Hampshire said this oh nevada said that i have to i have to fall in line you see what i mean i do see what you mean by that because
0: because it 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 begs the question if you are a new let's just can i just stay with the thing if you're a new hampshire voter who let's say you are a joe biden supporter Mm -hmm. and joe biden apparently finished fourth or fifth in iowa Mm -hmm. again i haven't heard the final whatever and you say, well, I'm no longer a Biden supporter. I'm a Mayor Pete supporter because he did well. Well, then what the hell are you supporting? Are you supporting policies? Are you supporting personality? Or do you just want to vote for who you think's going to win? Do you see what I'm saying? What difference should it make? And I'm the odd bird. I, I'll, I'll grant you that... How another state voted or where somebody's doing in a poll has 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 absolutely no bearing whatsoever on whether I think they are competent, capable and reflect my views and beliefs. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, hey, I'm the guy that voted for Gary Johnson in the last (laughs) election. I knew he wasn't going to win. That wasn't why I, I wasn't trying to vote for the winner. I was trying to vote for who represented my beliefs. And it seems like people would rather vote for a winner. Then, quote, throw their vote away on a loser. And so what are you really voting for? Do you see? I mean, am I being
1: too... No, I think you bring up a point. People do want to vote for a winner. They don't want to feel as though their vote is being wasted. They want to
0: wake up and say, I won.
1: Well, I don't know if it's necessarily wake up and say, I won. They want to wake up and make sure they feel as though their vote counted. And so if... If somebody is so far down in the polls and they feel as though that person has no chance of ever becoming the nominee, then they don't want to waste a vote for them. They want to give their vote a little bit more power in influencing who actually becomes the nominee.
0: But doesn't that become a self fulfilling prophecy? Sure, it does. Which would be my argument. If everyone, if all the primaries were on the same day, you wouldn't be influenced by what. A minuscule. Like I want to see the delegate count in Iowa is eight tenths of a percent of the overall delegate count. Why the hell should you care what Iowa thinks about Mayor Pete or Bernie or Amy Klobuchar and is it Andrew Yang? Wing Yang. <laughs> Sorry,
1: somebody who's never going to become president is really what you've just said right there. Ouch. But it's it's an interesting theory, and I like it. Really, it doesn't mark it on your calendar. That's there's a some- good idea. There's something that Bruce just came oh. up with, an idea that I actually like. Okay, okay. But also the idea of it ever changing is, is there's it's just never going to happen. Right. It's just never going to happen.
0: Well, they like this idea of being able to change people's opinion based on nothing other than where they finished in the polling, for lack of better terms. And Why again, is- I just look at that and say, that's a really ridiculous reason to change your vote.
1: Why is Iowa so important? Because we make it important.
0: I, okay, it, yeah. it,
1: it's genuinely not. Eight but tenths of a percent yeah, don't of a believe the hype kind yeah. of thing. But we, we've we made it important. So what else are you going to make important instead? I think what you're seeing in this election is people doing things a little differently. If you take a look at a um, Mayor Michael Bloomberg, he hasn't spent any time in Iowa. No. Nope. Didn't spend any time in New Hampshire. Doesn't care. Don't expect to see him in Nevada or South Carolina. Okay. Where he has spent all of his attention are, is in the states that are involved in um, Super Tuesday.
0: The day that everyone's voting. Correct. The big day. Yeah.
1: And he... That's, but that's not how things are done. But But... He's he's going against the norm. He's trying something new. If it works out, expect to see more folks go along this path because there are more states up for grab, more delegates up for grab on a Super Tuesday. And that would go towards your point, Bruce, where you have more states, you know, voting on a particular day and you aren't influenced by what others are doing in in previous, you know, campaigns.
0: If you're if you're a Democrat. Looking at when is our, our presidential preference Ours primary. is per, March
1: per, per. 17th here in Arizona.
0: And you have a candidate who you think would be a great president. Right now. Right now. Right now.
1: Who Whomever it is, if you are a, a, a registered, registered Democrat D, in, the in the state of Arizona, primary. you
0: yeah. play, play along. Who now, would you vote for today? If, if the election were today. Who would you vote for? Why would you change your vote based on how they did in New Hampshire?
1: Again, I don't know if it's necessarily New Hampshire. This is where you get down into like even Super Tuesday. If you think you know Tom Steyer, I think I even pronounced mm-hmm. that right. It is. is a billion, but again, right? somebody who's never going to be elected president, I think. But if if you were going to put a vote for him, and and you see that he like really falls he off the 1% map, one percent, yeah, right? it, it falls off the map. Then your vote doesn't. Do you feel as though your vote doesn't really matter and you want more power and more weight for your votes? You're going to go if it's between Bernie Sanders at that point in time, Amy Klobuchar, uh, Bloomberg and uh, Elizabeth Warren. I don't know. Are you really going to vote for Sire at that point?
0: Again, I just get back to it. So are you voting for who you think going to win or are you voting for who represents you the best?
1: If you That's feel as though your candidate can't win, you're going to vote for the candidate that represents you the best they can. That's that what seems like changed.
0: a self-fulfilling prophecy, though, at some point. I have to vote for who's going to win because I want to wake up on Wednesday saying, Mike, I won. It's not girl. about
1: waking up. It's about having and saying you won. It's about having some power behind that vote.
0: History was made at the Oscars last night. We'll tell you how. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, I am a member of the Phoenix Film Critics Society and the Phoenix Critics Circle, and in my duties, uh, I see movies, so that you don't have to, and I saw all of the nominated films, as well as those uh, that were, I saw almost all the ones, I missed one of them in the Best Actress category, I'd have to go back and look at it, but... I saw a lot of movies, in other words. So last night, when you had a Hollywood get together and hand out awards to one another, let's just, can we start by saying that art is subjective? Oh, yeah. And, and totally. so I, I don't get outraged over it. There's no such thing as a snub or whatever. Somebody's idea of pretty is another person's idea of horrible. Okay, fine. Whatever. But I can acknowledge it was my number two on my top ten of the year was last night's picture of the year. And I think I remember when we did our top ten list back in December, Pamela, I said, I could have had a one in one A because I I struggled with who should be at the top. I put the film 1917 as my number one movie, just because I thought it it looked amazing. But as far as a story goes, as far as a movie, and this is one that you you saw as yeah, well, and yeah. Super Producer Stevie Z, you guys all saw, we all saw, Parasite, which one which won Best Picture and was uh, the very first time that a foreign language film won Best Picture. It is in... Korean,
1: yeah, right. So it's a South Korean film. Won four Academy Awards last night, including Best Picture. Uh, first time that has ever happened. Yeah. And 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 the director, I love it. You yeah. know
0: what? Uh, here's here's it's what a piece of work. You to say.
1: I am ready ready to drink
0: tonight. Some English. Is that is that like the only Spanish you know? Is uno más cerveza por favor? Or ¿Dónde está el baño?
1: exactly right
0: he yeah. knows I'm, re- I'm ready to drink tonight i'm ready to drink i know yeah, what i need to know i'm ready in English. to drink
1: tonight let's yes. get me a cocktail going one more
0: cocktail before yeah before.
1: you know it was a great movie it was a fantastic movie if you haven't it seen unique, it I totally right? recommend that you uh, totally unique you haven't seen this film before that's I think why a lot i really of times, liked
0: it you know that's the, for me that i tend to rate films higher when i walk out and go have not seen that before
1: yeah, usually there are like echoes of other films that you can see in that movie and you're like, okay, you know You what, thought you I knew
0: see. where it was going, right? You didn't know where, no,
1: you know where it was going. But okay, so you said you're 1-1-A, so between Parasite and 1917. Yeah. Brad Pitt oh, actually yeah. won for 1917. No. Oh, excuse me.
0: Once upon a time, I take in that. I take
1: that away. But Brad Pitt also um, stepped to the the podium last night, yeah. and he's, you know, he's been making the rounds for you know the award season, and he's been getting a lot of awards, and he's been pretty much staying out of the fray politically. You know, he's just the guy that's happy to be there. Um, but he <laughs> he he stepped into it a bit, a little bit yesterday. And he's he's getting some attention for it. Here's a little bit of what Brad Pitt had to say.
2: They told me I only have 45 seconds up here. <laughs> Which is 45 seconds more than the Senate gave John Bolton this week. It's like a joke, isn't it? I'm thinking maybe Quentin does a movie about it. and In the end, the adults do the right thing.
1: Yeah, yeah you okay. say it's a joke, but he's also stayed away from that a yeah. lot. And so I think that, that was kind of just, you know, his little shot. I know a lot of people are upset about how political certain things have gotten, yeah. but that happens yeah. in these awards. Well, they're ceremonies. only upset about
0: it until they want to spout their politics and then they think everybody should be okay with it. Um... I did think, and I thought it was obvious that Joaquin Phoenix won Best Actor for his role as the Joker. I've been thinking a lot about
2: some of the distressing issues that we are facing collectively. And I think at times we feel or we're made to feel that we champion different causes. But for me, I see commonality. I think... Whether we're talking about gender inequality or racism or queer rights or indigenous rights or animal rights, we're talking about the fight against injustice.
1: I like the speech. He- I, I genuinely like the speech, oh, minus a really critical part of it that yeah. got weird. And the, was- Is
0: that the cow insemination part? Yes, that part. It was a little odd. Do you want to hear it? well I think we have to play it now so yeah he continues on so
1: uh, yeah. a lot of what you just heard there I agree with him Yeah, and, and, and he even in closing you know quoted uh, his his late brother right. River Phoenix saying run to the rescue with love and peace will follow hmm. boy that's powerful that's a really nice cool but quote you, you lost some of the shine of that speech yeah. with this
2: we feel entitled to artificially inseminate a cow and when she gives birth we steal her baby even though her cries of anguish are unmistakable. And then we take her milk that's intended for her calf and we put it in our coffee and our cereal.
0: I okay. get I, where I, he's mean, going, I, I was going to say, what an interesting you, analogy. Yeah. You maybe could have told it a little bit differently. but But Joaquin Phoenix appears to be just as unique, interesting, and different on camera as he is off camera. You know what I mean? that I don't think he was acting. I've heard before he, he suffers from a lot of anxiety and he looks uncomfortable, uncomfortable like when he's standing in front of people like that.
1: All right. So have you subscribed to the Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes Show podcast? Super easy to do. This week it is brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers.
0: America has a new crisis and is Arizona. Is the Valley smack dab in the middle of it? It's called the affordability crisis. We'll talk about that coming up next on Arizona's News Station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Good morning to you, Pamela. I remember last week we had a story that showed a surprising number of people couldn't cover a $400 yeah. unexpected bill, mm-hmm. right? Car, refrigerator goes out, whatever it might be. Um, And this is in spite of economic indicators out there that say things are going really well.
1: Yeah, when you look at the economic indicators, I mean, looking at the stock market, looking at the unemployment rate, looking at job creation, those are the things that will get the headlines monthly in major news media. Mm -hmm. But when you're looking at it and shifting the paradigm a little bit, if you look at it from the cost of living perspective, I'd say the average person listening right now may in fact be struggling because it's not necessarily about the stock market and your 401k. It's not necessarily um, about unemployment. You have a job. The problem is... Is your wages have remained stagnant.
0: And the price of everything's going up.
1: Right. So what we're seeing here with this, some are coining the phrase, great affordability crisis, is you've got rent that is going up. The rent
0: is too damn high. Right,
1: exactly. More people are, in fact renting why are they renting well affordability in homes has gone down it, it, it's more expensive mm. to own a home you also have millennials who are buying by it the as way. much it's
0: more important. it's it's expensive to own a home yeah Ugh.
1: And owning the home, I mean, like everything that comes along with home ownership.
0: That's the part they don't tell you about.
1: Right. When the air conditioning (laughs) goes out, when the roof goes, when you have a flood through your front yard and lifts up all of the driveway like like you had at your house. Anyway. Half of renters right now, though, are, are... having a real struggle paying their monthly bills as rent goes up it's Mm -hmm, going mm -hmm. up faster than income and it has been for the last 20 years
0: well in arizona we're seeing some really unique numbers that put us uh near ground zero in this where you are starting to see the uh, affordable housing how it's referred to as the rent uh getting to the point where we arizona the valley phoenix are, are really starting to struggle. We're putting people in a tough spot.
1: We see people in the L.A. area checking out a lot of listings for homes in the Phoenix area. So some of those folks are retiring. Some of them are families looking for a place where they can actually afford a
0: family-sized house. Inventory is down about a fifth from one year ago. That's about two months of supply.
1: So when inventory is down, it means that the prices typically go up.
0: You know, and, and this is not a commercial I actually, I asked my realtor friend, Carol Royce, why? She said, you know, people are hesitant to sell their homes if they think they can't find one to move into. Mm -hmm. So this becomes like a a chicken and egg argument. Do you know what I'm saying? You may say, oh, well, yeah, we want to sell... But you start looking out there and there's low number of houses on the market You're like, well, is this the right time?
1: Right. So when you're looking at Arizona in particular, uh, we are now the third worst in the country for affordable housing. That's, not, That's not a good thing. No. But if you're moving beyond housing and you're looking at the great affordability crisis that some are saying are right now happening in this country, you have to look beyond housing and look at things like health care. As well. Mm -hmm. We pay roughly twice as much for insurance and medical services than do people of other wealthy countries. And a lot of times we have worse outcomes. We have premiums and deductibles and out-of-pocket costs that just keep going up. And when that keeps going up, it eats away at family budgets. And so you've got this, you know, cost burden of, of health coverage that has just gone through the roof in the last decade.
0: Yeah, and and I guess I can I can certainly understand it. And again, this gets back into some of these other stories that I've I've heard where people tout a strong economy. And I'm not here to argue it's not. But only half of Americans out there have like a 401k or an IRA account or saving for retirement. Only half you know, we talked about the $400 not being able to cover it. That There are plenty of people out there who say, well, unemployment is low. The stock market's at a high. But how does this benefit me?
1: Right. And it all it comes down to how does it benefit you? Absolutely. So if you are renting and you have high health care costs, a lot of folks still also have student loans. Hmm. so we talk about the debt crisis when it comes to student loans and you're starting to see this soup of bills monthly bills that come in that people are having a hard time keeping up with and then throw this into the mix. I know I like blew your mind oh 10 years ago with this number I'm ready but it hasn't gotten any better in fact it has gotten a lot worse the cost of child care.
0: Yeah, I had no idea when you talked about what you were paying. You and your husband were paying for someone to watch baby, then baby Riley.
1: Truly, baby Riley. Yes,
0: truly, baby Riley. Ten years ago, I was like,
1: how, how does anybody afford? And, and then, what do you do if you got more than one? Oh, I have no idea. W- w- yeah, we we have one child, and for her infant care, infant care. So you know you're looking to like the you know the age of one. You're in an infant room, and the ratio for you know caregivers is low because they need so much more care. Yeah, it was eleven twelve hundred dollars a month. Eleven twelve hundred dollars a month. When Riley went to kindergarten, okay. We got oh. a raise.
0: Happy days are now, here. Again. Granted, what are you doing with all the cash?
1: Right. Ex- I remember that. I'm like, holy cow, we just got like a huge raise here. Now, as they get older, the cost of care drops, but it, co- it drops to like 800 bucks a month. I yeah. mean, it's all relative here. When you look at the cost of child care, it has increased two thousand percent over the last four decades. It's not common for families to spend anywhere from you ready? You ready? Mm -hmm. Fifteen to twenty-six thousand dollars a year for somebody to watch their child. Child, not children. Child.
0: And and you know going back to the olden days, this wasn't as big an issue. I know. My mom was there. You know, when I came home from school, mom was home. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, a parent, usually mothers, were the child care. You know, when you think about it, that that is an expense that uh, uh, came about when both parents started working out of the home. That it kind of came. So it's a new expense that previous generations didn't have.
1: When you talk about previous generations didn't have.
0: Uh, or not to the same level. No, no, no.
1: I get, I get where you're going with it. Um, I was one of the first in our friend group to have children or to have a child rather. And my mom didn't work. When my sister and I were born. My mother-in-law didn't work when my husband was born. Mm-hmm. My sister doesn't have kids. I was one of the first in a friend group. I didn't have a model of what managing a career and a family looked like in my life. Yeah, And it was very difficult. It was super hard because it is a change, and I can acknowledge that. But... It's not easy. And so when we talk about the great affordability crisis and, and financially fragile families, you can see why this is happening. The stock market is one thing. Your bank account and your monthly bills. Well, that's an entirely different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and we and we hear that, you know, elections can be determined based on you know the economy. But the economy is your bank account right now. And where are you how are you doing? Some people are cheering. Other people may might be struggling out there. I don't think it's an all-or-nothing thing. Interesting. So uh, the, the enemies list, the retaliations have begun. We'll tell you how uh, Arizona Senator McSally warned Trump not to do something that of course he immediately did. We'll talk about that next. KTAR News on 923 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Senator McSally, and I'm going to assume because of her military background, was one of a handful of Republican senators who um, cautioned Trump to not um, take out his ire on enemies, especially those decorated war heroes. Needless to say he didn't listen.
1: Yeah. The New York Times is reporting that Arizona Senator Martha McSally was among a group of senators that wanted the president not to fire a couple of, uh, you know, members of his team that actually testified in the the House hearings of impeachment. We're talking about Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, as well as uh, Gordon Sondland, Sondland the ambassador Ambassador. to the, uh, the EU. He fired them anyway. And they're calling it the Friday Night Massacre, where uh, these gentlemen were escorted out of the building. And it wasn't just these gentlemen. Uh, Vindman's brother was also Vindemann's fired.
0: brother, who's an attorney, apparently. Yeah.
1: yeah uh, direct, you know, he, he works for the National Security Council. Um, and what, what is, No surprise. Right. And, and so you have these senators. Again, Arizona Senator Martha McSally among them as well. Republicans who said, don't seek revenge. Move on. Learn from your mistakes because they have already acknowledged he has made a mistake. McSally and uh, Alexander and other Republicans have come out and said, you know, what the president did was wrong, but it didn't rise to the level of impeachment. Literally, that's what they said. So they're acknowledging what he did was wrong. Right him retaliating with revenge and firing people would make things worse, they believe. Hmm. And I, I think it's interesting to to take a look at the, the, the two impeachments in recent history. If you look at Bill Clinton and you look at President Trump. okay. After Bill Clinton uh, was acquitted in the Senate, he, too, held a, a, a press conference I guess, or a speech, talked to the American people about what had happened. It was about two and a half minutes long. And President Trump did the same thing last Thursday. You heard it live here on KTIR. His was over 60 minutes. The time wasn't just the only difference between the two. No. Take a listen to how President Clinton handled the post-impeachment acquittal and how President Trump did as well.
2: The Senate has fulfilled its constitutional responsibility, bringing this process to a conclusion. We went through hell unfairly, did nothing wrong. I want to say again to the American people how profoundly sorry I am for what I said and did to trigger these events and the great burden they have imposed on the Congress and on the American people. I want to apologize to my family for having them have to go through A phony, rotten deal by some very evil and sick people. I also am humbled and very grateful for the support and the prayers I have received from millions of Americans over this past year. Then I had some that said, well, I wish you didn't make the call. That's okay. If they need that, it's
0: it's incorrect. It's totally incorrect. Yeah. Uh, And again, 100 percent on brand, and exactly what you would expect. By the way, I'm one of the consistent people out there that believes both of them should have been impeached, and I would have been fine with both of them being removed from office for impeachable offenses. I'll remind you that Bill Clinton lied under oath, literally. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, and then lied, my argument being, if the president of the United States doesn't have to tell the truth under oath, then who does? And then people, well, he lied about, I don't care what he lied about. I don't care. It's irrelevant.
1: So we have Arizona Senator Martha McSally who encouraged the president not to seek revenge on these men. She wasn't alone. There was also Republican Senator Susan Collins. Remember her when she said that she was going to vote to acquit? I believe that the president has learned from this case.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah what in what in his 70 whatever years of life on this planet makes you think that Miss Collins there, there Senator no, Collins there was no that lesson was learned
1: we all make mistakes in life okay we all make mistakes how you grow from them what you learn from those mistakes is, is a testament as, as to the person you are and who you are becoming. What has happened with this president, it appears to me, is he's seeking revenge. Oh, absolutely. And, and revenge is something that can feel really good in the moment. he got an enemy's list. It can feel so good in the moment. But you can't foresee what the potential fallout of that revenge can be. Doesn't care. Will there be fallout from this? It's yet to be determined, yeah. but it's just a bad look.
0: Settling scores is more important to him. Guaranteed. We have the latest regarding the coronavirus, including this cruise ship or what Pamela referred to as a floating Petri dish of coronavirus. Ew. We'll give you the latest on that coming up next on Arizona's News Station.